Hello and welcome to DFS Coach Talk. Today is Friday, November the 12th. I am Joe Sarvati, affectionately known as Coach, and I am here to discuss a really juicy, as we call it at Coach Talk, 11-game NBA slate. Can't wait to dive into this. Some fantastic matchups, some great plays, and we're going to go over every single game. Also going to add a little something into our statistical analysis. Now that we've got a decent enough sample size where everybody's got about uh, uh, 10 games or so in, we're going to check out not just pace on that side of the ball, but offensive efficiency as well. Open those, get a little more light in here. Uh, we're going to go over that as well, just sort of to determine, you know, possessions, how that's looking. And as we hand build these lineups, we want uh, to look at every statistical analysis possible and those that are most valid and current uh, to this season. We'll also check out defensive efficiency. And as I said, pace, look at the injuries, teams, trends, and determine where we can build a good foundation for our uh, lineups tonight on uh, DFS NBA. Uh, we do supply here at Coach Talk. We supply a, a really cool coach's clipboard, which is a, a group of five guys that are highlighted that we're recommending as your core, and then a group of other guys that we're suggesting that you fill in those other spots randomly. So we stay within the DraftKings guidelines, and uh, we feel we supply the best uh, DFS support for DraftKings in the industry. Also on, on FanDuel and Yahoo, no worries there. We've got a full hybrid and GPP lineup for you uh, each night for both. Uh, I'm not going to take any breaks during this one. We're not going to do any commercials or whatever from our end here at Coach Talk. We're going to go through all 11 games in a row here and go through everything. So you can figure out everything you want to do for this awesome slate this evening. If you're watching this right now on YouTube, we ask a quick thumbs up, uh, hit the subscribe button, give us a little comment of any kind, question, whatever. That combination really helps us move up the algorithm uh, on YouTube. Also, hit the little bell in the upper corner there. That will alert you when any of our podcasts post. And we're posting 11 podcasts per week, seven uh, a week, every day in NBA, three strong NFL podcasts with Andrew Hansen. Omaha Joe and Crash Davis. And then we have our golf weekly podcast with Andrew and I uh, to cover all of that. Great day to jump in with us. A three-day pass is only 10 bucks. If you join today, you get all of our NBA today and tomorrow, all of our golf weekend only action tonight. And then of course, the massive Sunday slate in the NFL. All right, that's all the selling I'm doing. Now it's all about Nothing but 11 NBA games attacking this slate like nobody's business, and we're going after it. First game, 7 p.m. Eastern. It's the only 7 p.m. Eastern game, believe it or not, with 11 games. Very strange. New York Knicks, Charlotte Hornets. Knicks favored by one and a half. It's a nice 223 and a half over under. Love that. Implied total for the Knicks, 112 and a half. For the Hornets, Hornets 111. As far as their records go, Knicks come in at seven and five and Hornets at six and seven. So both teams in competitive in the race. Uh, only injuries, one on each side here. And Nerlens Noel is likely to play. So they'll have their full K 
contingency of Robinson, Noel, and Gibson back at center, so no thank you there. P.J. Washington remains out for the Hornets. All right, let's take a look at a couple of things here. Pace of play. Knicks 25th, not good. Charlotte 3rd, so they are getting the ball up and down the floor. Definitely helps the Knicks if you want to roster some of them. And we know Thibodeau plays his guys a lot of minutes, so it is a pace-up game for the Knicks. Uh, not just important to have pace in the NBA, but to be efficient offensively with that pace. Uh, we've got two off offensively efficient, say that quickly 10 times, uh, teams here. The Knicks, even though their pace is slow, they're third in offensive efficiency, which means a lot. You're going to get more points out of the Randalls and, and the main guys that are, are uh, running uh, Tibbs' offense. On Charlotte's side, not bad. Tenth, so they all also have been scoring the ball well, and that's why, you know, part of the reason why this game has such a high over-under. And then here's the final reason. These two teams are playing very poorly defensively. The Knicks have this reputation from the last couple of years of being a defensive stalwart. They're not that. They lost all their perimeter defense with the loss of guys like Bullock and people they let go. They're all the way down to 25th in defensive efficiency. So, you know, that hubbub of, you know, I'm not playing Knicks games because they're slow and they, um, which their pace is down, but they're offensively efficient. But because they play good defense is not the case anymore. And Charlotte's second to worst in the entire league at 29th. So I do love this game right out of the shoot. I think it's a fantastic game to have some exposure to. Um, you know, we have some decent pricing in this game. And um, certainly a couple of guys you can look at. And if you want to go really on the cheap, although he doesn't get the minutes uh, that he needs really to smash, but he's only 5K and that's Kemba Walker. Fournier again at 4'8 also can be a bargain. Don't trust Barrett at that 6'5 number. He's up, down, and all over the place. I do think, though, Julius Randle at the 10'2 number is a legit pay-up guy on this slate. And I know it's tough to, to pay big on the first game, you know, and really got to have your guy develop right off the bat and get a big number for you. But after that, it's just too tough. I, I mean, I don't want that three-way center split like we talked about earlier. And then guys like Rose Quickly, Burks, Toppin, you know, and then again, Gibson and Noel, they're just that rotation of guys are going to get minutes and really sort of take away from the other guys. So if you want to go super cheap with one of those guards, you can do that. Randall's certainly a big target here. On the other side of the ball, with uh, we've got Ball, exactly. LaMelo Ball at 9-9, though, is a really tough uh, tough one to bite off, but Walker and Fournier's defense are bad. Um, and, you know, the guys off the bench aren't exactly terrific either in rows. So, uh, and quickly a little bit, but not much. Uh, so I, you know, LaMelo Ball at 9-9 is going to scare the living daylights out of people. And deservedly so, that's a huge price for him. But I think he's in play. I hate to say it. I just, this game makes sense. The pace, the efficiency, you know, the defense, uh, DRPM on the other side. I mean, I'm seriously going to consider playing ball at 9-9. And here's the thing. I think his ownership will be low because people are not going to want to spend, you know, they're, they're going to look at ball and say, 10K, I can get one of the, the big studs. Well, I think he is one of the big studs today. I really think he'll do well. Rogier at 6-1, not quite back totally yet. 
but he is somebody you have to take a look at and consider. After that, uh, I do think 8K is a little high for Bridges. Um, I mean, he's had a phenomenal season and not really interested in the other guys. People are going to dive on Kelly Oubre because he had his you know ceiling game off the bench with 37 or whatever crazy number he poured in. He's 4.4K, uh, and I get it, but I don't know, man. I think that might be a trap is all I can say. All right, let's go to the next game. It's a 7.30 game, the Detroit Pistons at the Cleveland Cavaliers. Cleveland favored by five. It's a 200.5 over under implied total for the Pistons, only 97.75. Ouch. And for Cavs, not great either, 102.75. So we've got a couple of teams here that uh, are not looking DFS friendly as far as the numbers in Vegas go. Detroit's 2-8. and eight. Cavaliers, the surprise of the league, in my opinion, 7-5. and five. Good for them, man. Amazing. Um, injuries, Kelly Olenek uh, got hurt. He is out for a while, uh, a couple of weeks at least. No, more than that, I think. Uh, I think a, a meniscus strain, maybe four weeks, something. So he's out for a while. And then the three guys out for Cleveland still, Kevin Love, Laurie Markkinen, and Colin Sexton, three rotational guys uh, for them. So that definitely... Uh, creates some openings. Let's look at the pace of play here. Nothing to write home about, obviously, with that low over-under. 16th for Detroit, 23rd for Cleveland. Offensive efficiency, Detroit dead last. So not only are they not super fast, but they're not good when they get in their half-court set to score the ball. Cleveland somehow only 18th, so, you know, slower pace, uh, offense is below average, but yet they're winning games. So good for them. Uh, a lot of theirs is coming on the defensive side, but it doesn't get you too excited there. Defensive efficiency, Detroit 19th, Cleveland 13th. So combined for somewhere in the middle of the road. Are there playable games, uh, guys in this game, or is this just a complete pass? That's the question. Um, we've got a couple cheap guys you can think about. Killian Hayes at 3-8. Cade Cunningham at 5'6 will be popular again. Sadiq Bey is down to 6'3 and Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Grant down to 7'1. So those guys can be considered. I don't think, you know, I think you could play one and get away with it, uh, but strictly a one off situation or GPP plays. Uh, Garland let me down the last time, big time. Uh, I know everybody in the world was on Rubio, and I knew, you know, I know Rubio's having literally a career year it's it's unbelievable at his age but and i've mentioned it on almost every podcast he just took the momentum from the olympics where he led the entire olympics in scoring uh, even over luca and uh, he's carried it right into this season and then with sexton going down even though he's continuing to come off the bench because they want to keep his big rotation he's getting mid-30s minutes he is up to five seven which is still cheap and you can still consider him i'm I'm a little sour on this because I, I do think Garland overall is eventually going to get more DFS points per minute than Rubio when Rubio comes out of the clouds here. So I'm not crazy. Uh, Garland at 6'7", Rubio at 5'7". I think they both can be considered. It's just, you know, you, you go to pet the dog and he bites you. You don't particularly want to pet him right away again. So not sure I'm going to do anything with that. Uh, Okoro's back, but not really doing anything. Wade Mobley at 7-1 or Jared Allen at 7-8 can be, you know, considered here. Wouldn't play both, but I think either or 
at that mid-level pricing is reasonable. All right, another 7.30 game, the Milwaukee Bucks and the Boston Celtics. Milwaukee's favored by a point and a half. Um, 106.5 implied for Milwaukee, 105 implied for Boston. Um, as far as the records in this game, we've got a 6-6 six and six Milwaukee team just trying to stay alive with all their injuries. Boston, 5-6. and six. Uh, Injuries, we have Giannis is uh, probable. And then the trio of DiVincenzo, Lopez, and Middleton remain out. For Boston, we know Jalen Brown is out and Thomas is out. So let's look at the, the pace here. Milwaukee's eighth, which is a pretty good pace up for Boston. Boston is 22nd, so you do have a bit of a pace down for Milwaukee. As far as efficiency, Milwaukee has definitely slid in that area. They're now in the bottom half of the league in 17th. A lot of that's no Middleton. Holiday's been in and out. You know, they've just had a myriad of injuries. Uh, Boston not being uh, not efficient at all, and they're 23rd. I mean, they're lucky to have the record that they do with uh, that low of an offensive efficiency rating. As far as defense, you've got Milwaukee 15th. They were up in the top two or three all last year. Once they get their full team back, I think they'll go back toward the top. But right now, just middle of the road, Boston, excuse me, is 10th. So let's take a look at this. Uh, 211.5 total, you know, Holiday's down at that 6-6 number, which is tempting. He is definitely has the potential. He's slowed back in the last few games, but I think he's a reasonable play today. I really do. Giannis is a big fat 12K and on an 11K slate, or I'm sorry, 11 game slate, 12K is a little much. Um, Not really uh, ecstatic about that, especially with the pace down game. Don't know if I want to go there. He's always going to get your monster points. Let's face it. But can you afford the 12K? If you have, you know, some pay down values that are going to help you make the make everything work, and I'm sure we'll have more open up as the day goes on, then, you know, for sure Giannis has to be in the picture. But if, you know, if you take him and then have to cut a couple of spots down to, you know, really risky guys, then cash hybrid uh, lineups, you know, Giannis may not fit today. Um, off the bench, you know, you're getting decent performances from uh, Connington at 4K, Grayson Allen, whose start had a good game last time at 5-2. But you're getting a little bit of Noir at 3-8 and Ojale at 3. I just don't think any of those are really cash-type lineup worthy. On the Boston side, Dennis Schroeder's been a little bit better. He is 6-2, which isn't that great. Uh, Smart has not been the smart he used to be. He used to throw some big games on the board for us. So not really interested there, even at the bargain price of 5-1. I remember when he was in the eight, or low eights last year. Jason Tatum, again, another opportunity for the uh, great payup spot. There's no question about it. You know, if you're going to not go with a LaMelo ball or, you know, Giannis or somebody and you want to pay up uh, or for the somebody in these early games, Tatum at 10-1, I think, is, uh, is also really strong play. Um, you know, Milwaukee does, uh, has a decent pace at eighth in the league. So the possession should be there. And we've always said, you got to take a a real hard look at Tatum, uh, every time Jalen Brown's out and now he's going to be out for a little bit. I think Tatum is very worthy of lineup, uh, builds. 
As far as the, the two big guys go, I, you know, I, I cannot get the Al Horford, Robert Williams, the third stuff, right? I mean, none of it makes any sense to me half the time with those two. They have great games. They have bad games. They take turns having good games. Horford, I mean, it's just very confusing. And with Giannis and Portis in the interior, I just, I am not crazy uh, at seven, six for Horford or five, seven for Williams. The guy I do like is Bobby Portis at 6K on the other side. And I uh, I think that that price is getting to more where it should have been. You know, he was in the fives. It was, it was a no-brainer. But at 6K, you know, as long as he continues to start, I think that, you know, the potential for ceiling games for him are definitely there. So he is in play for me. All right, next game. It is an 8 p.m. game, Phoenix Suns, Memphis Grizzlies, Phoenix minus one, a nice 222.5 over under, uh, 111.75 for Phoenix, and 110.7 implied for Memphis. So both really nice playable uh, teams here, and I think you're going to see a lot of activity and rostering guys from this game. You've got Phoenix at seven and three. Somehow they've scrapped their way to seven and three, even though they were playing bad ball. Uh, they're, they've now got it back going again. Not surprising to me. Uh, Monty's a great coach. I think they have a, a really solid unit there. I think that their slow start was just a malaise from being in the finals last year. I think that, you know, they have their attention now and they're playing tough. And then Memphis at six and five. Uh, they're, uh, playing decent ball off on the shoulders of all-star to be John Morant. As far as injuries go, Phoenix, uh, Landry Shamit is questionable. Uh, DeAndre Ayton is doubtful. So I've got him out for my figuring right now. Saric out. Uh, the, the one we do need some uh, clarity on is Stephen Adams is questionable uh, for Memphis. So definitely want to see what the deal is there. Brooks uh, looked like he was ready to roll. Now he's out again, uh, and Tilly is also out. So we do have uh, some interesting, uh, an interesting situation here in this game. Um, Phoenix is sixth in the league in pace, Memphis 12th. So that is good. Phoenix offensively efficient eighth, so they're getting it done, and Memphis 14th. So you have two teams that are playing very solid, efficient, well-paced basketball, which definitely helps on the DFS front. And defensively, nothing to write home about. Phoenix is just in the middle of the pack. They're 14th, and they were in the top five most of uh, last year. And then Memphis is down to 28th, so not a good defensive unit uh, thus far this season. So this game draws a ton of interest here, I think. I think Chris Paul at 8-9 is in play. I think Booker at 9-5 is a little overpriced, especially with Melton defense. I respect Melton's D. Mikhail Bridges, more of a GPP play at 5K. Uh, and then you can go, you know, if if you have the gut for it and you want to attack the JaVel McGee 4.1 and Frank Kaminsky 5.5, those two guys have been sharing the center spot with Aiton out. Aiton hasn't completely been ruled out. Like I said, he's doubtful. So I think you're probably going to get a share from McGee and Kaminsky. I would save the 1.4 if I had to choose between uh, the two and go with McGee. But, you know, definitely risky from uh, the cash side of it for sure. Uh, 
Um, on the Memphis side, John Morant up to 10K. So definitely uh, a tough one. I, you know, I love Jaw. I love the way he's playing, but he's going to get a lot of doubles from Monty. He's going to get Chris Paul, crafty defense. Can't go up to that 10K number in this game. A uh, couple of value plays. Desmond Bain at 4-9 I think is very fair. Uh, Jaron Jackson at 6-2 has played fine, but I don't have the courage. He's in foul trouble constantly. But if Adams does sit, he's going to get a lot more run uh, than in an expected. If Adams sits, Brandon Clark is, I think, a great play. Now, I know he just came off a really, really great game. Don't expect him to go back to that game. But at 3-1, he has Coach Jennings' confidence right now. And, I mean, at almost the bare minimum, if Adam sits, I think Clark can make a lot of stuff work salary-wise with your lineup. All right, we go to the next 8 o'clock game. I told you I was no breaks. We're firing through this thing, and we're going to build some winners. Portland at Houston. Portland minus 6.5. It is a 222.5 over-under. Portland's implied 114.5, a solid number. Houston at 108. As far as their records go, we've got um, Portland 5-7, and seven, a little disappointing. Houston 1-10, not good. Norman Powell is the injury uh, but that we have to concern ourselves with Portland, but he's probable. So I think he will lace them up. And then we have uh, Kevin Porter, who is also probable. We know John Wall's sitting out the season. So let's look at these two teams from a statistical standpoint here. We've got Portland, the 13th fastest team in the league, which is very uh, interesting. Houston, second. So we're going to get pace galore here. Portland has been doing a much better job on the offensive efficiency with that pace. So 13th pace, seventh offensive efficiency. So a good team uh, to target. Here's the amazing thing. Houston is the second fastest team in the league. But talk about a bunch of rookies and young guys that haven't figured it out yet. They're 26th in offensive efficiency. So a lot of chuck and duck garbage shots going up. Um, but maybe in this game with a, a not a good defensive team in Portland, some of those shots will fall. You do have two poor defensive efficient teams here in 23rd and 20th, respectively. So I think there's a lot of potential here. I love that total. Uh, love the pace of play in this game. Love the poor defense. So do you go up to Dame Lillard at 9-8? We know he hasn't been himself all season. He's not shot the ball well. But this is the kind of game he could have a Dame time kind of game if it stays close enough, which the spread's only six and a half. Uh, you know, who knows what he can throw up there. Um, McCollum's drifted up into the eights now at eight, two, he's a lot more fun in the sevens when you could take him as a mid-level price. Uh, certainly can't go with both, but you can choose one or the other Powell, If he's healthy and goes at five, five is not a bad price. It really isn't. Uh, you can consider him after that, you know, Nurk's okay at seven K, but a lot of times doesn't get enough minutes and not interested in anybody off that Portland bench. On the Houston side, we know Portland's backcourt is not the best defensively, so you've got two youngsters there, Porter at 6'4 and Green at 5'2. Both deserve a mention. Both, I think, are playable. Um, as far as, 
you know, if you want to go really on the cheap, uh, Daniel Tice and uh, in, in Zhengun both share some minutes. It's a little bit tough there to determine, you know, what those minutes are going to be. Even with Zhengun out the last game, Tice did not smash. He got it done, but uh, you would ex- I was expecting a little more. Christian Wood in play, 9K is a lot of money, but he's certainly always in play here. Um, it's a tricky game. I certainly want to have some exposure. Uh, looking more, you know, if I go big and, you know, go with Dame possibly and Green on the other side, uh, or if you want to save Louie, you can flip it and go McCollum Porter. But I think the backcourts here are going to have big games, and I think uh, you definitely need some exposure uh, to that game. All right, next one, another 8 o'clock game. There's 9 million 8 o'clock games, so that's going to be fun trying to watch on the direct TV, all the squares. Half the time I'm rooting for the wrong guy. It gets, it gets so confusing. Uh, Sacramento at Oklahoma City. Sacramento is favored by four on the road, 219 over under, 111.5 for Sacramento, 107.5 for Oklahoma City. Um, this is an interesting game. I, you know, this could be a boomer bust game for the whole slate, to be honest with you. Sacramento's five and six, and the Thunder four and uh, I'm sorry, five and seven, Thunder's four and six. So, yes, they're both below 500, but there was not much expected from either team. I think they're playing better than what was anticipated. Oklahoma City, because they're all like 16 years old, they don't have any injuries. And then uh, Sacramento, we've got three uh, questionable guys. Davis, who is in the rotation, Halliburton, who it's extremely important to know his status, and Woodward. Uh, Woodard. Um, those are the guys we need to, to uh, check out and see. As far as efficiency, Sacramento, seventh in the league in pace and ninth in offensive efficiency. So that is what's keeping them in games. They are scoring the basketball and doing it pretty efficiently. Oklahoma City has been 11th in pace, but only 29th in offensive efficiency. And I think you'll see a lot of the teams that are not offensively efficient are the younger teams that just haven't figured out the angles and the plays and the post-ups and the things that you have to do in the NBA to consistently get buckets. They play at a decent pace, just like some of the other young teams. But, you know, as they become more mature and get more games under their belt, the offensive efficiency numbers will go up. So some of these younger teams will be better to target towards the end of the year. The thing that makes both of these teams playable, though, is their defensive efficiency, 24th and 16th. So both in the bottom half of the league in defense. So we've got potential here with this pace in defense for this to be a game, you know, slate-changing kind of game. You've got De'Aaron Fox at a fair price at 8-4. Uh, He can blow up, but he's not shooting the ball well from the outside. If Halliburton doesn't play, Davion Mitchell and Buddy Hill become much more in play. Uh, Not as crazy about, you know, Fox, Halliburton, Hill, and Mitchell. Uh, Walton's trying to get all four of them big minutes, and it's difficult with uh, all four of them playing. But if Halliburton sits, it elevates uh, Fox, Hill, and Mitchell uh, to playable. Harrison Barnes still at that mid-seven price at 7-4, can have a big game uh, at any time. Rashawn Holmes, 6-7, hasn't been quite the the hit that he has been in DFS in the past, but certainly always capable uh, of putting up a decent number at that fair price. 
Shea on the other side is probably the best play for the Thunder. He's 8-8, which is also reasonable enough. I think you can consider him. Uh, Josh Giddy, as we know, I mean, you're going to get that with a 19-year-old. You know, some days he's almost a triple-double. Other games, he can't get to 5X at his 6-4 price. So 6-4 is not a giveaway on Giddy. Uh, if you have the, the stomach for it, though, he can really tilt the slate your way if he has a big game. After that, we've got about seven guys rotating. So I think you got to focus really, you know, what it comes down to most of the times is do you want to play Shea? Is Gideon option uh, in cash games? Those two guys are really where the attention goes. And the same thing with once we get the Halliburton news on the other side uh, with Fox Hill, Mitchell, and a potential uh, Barnes or Holmes uh, if you really want to stack up this game. I would not on an 11-game slate, you know, for the record, I'd never play more than two guys on one team. I think even if you have bizarre situations where guys are out, if you try to stack three or four guys from the same NBA team on an 11-game slate, you're basically eliminating yourself. There's just not enough possessions and usage. What we're trying to determine is if you go one-off almost in every game, you know, we want to try to – narrowed in on the guy that's going to have the most uh, usage and most efficient game. So that's what we're shooting for here. Oops, almost lost the mic. Don't want to do that. I had that happen earlier uh, in, a, in a podcast, and I, I lost half the podcast. So we're good, though. We're good. All right, um, let's go on to the next game. Believe it or not, there's another 8 o'clock game. So I don't know how many I've lost total track of that. <clears throat> it is Brooklyn and the Pelicans. Pelicans are bad. So Brooklyn's an eight and a half point favorite. Surprise, they're not even more than that. Um, 111 and a half for Brooklyn implied 103 uh, for the Pelicans. Um, I think that may drift up a little bit as the day goes on. I wouldn't be surprised if they ended up a 10 point favorite. Uh, Brooklyn's eight and four. Pelicans a stellar one and 11. Injury wise, we know Claxton and Irving are out for Brooklyn. Ingram has been questionable the last three or four games. He hasn't played. He's questionable again. <clears throat> again, we need that news, though. If Ingram's in, you know, he becomes playable. It changes everything. The other guys become unplayable. So we need that news before we completely dig into this Pelicans game. Marshall, questionable. And Zion, Mr. Cheeseburgers, is out. Um, let's take a look at the efficiency in this game we've got um brooklyn is 10th in pace new orleans 15th so you got a decent enough pace to run into and then as far as efficiency this is where the teams are struggling a little bit you would think with the tough veterans like harden and durant that brooklyn would be one of the top offensive efficient teams this year like they were last year but they've crept into the bottom half. They're 16th. So they are not scoring the ball as efficiently as they can, which means keep an eye on them because as they start to gel a little bit more with some of these bench guys, I think that, uh, you know, that you're going to see that number raise. And then as far as uh, offensive efficiency for the Pelicans, everything's been bad about them. They're 27th in the league uh, offensively efficient wise. And so if Ingram plays, it's even worse, doesn't play, then it's even worse. Um, defense here, Brooklyn is fourth. So I, I got to say Nash 
and his staff did a phenomenal job. They took a team that was dead last for a big portion of last year. And they said, listen, we're going to pull back a little offensively, uh, pace wise and everything. And we're going to try to play a rotation where we can defend. We can't win a championship being ranked 29th or 30th in the league in defense. And boy, what a difference they've made. They're all the way up to fourth. So that is very impressive. And that definitely hurts some of the Pelicans uh, here playing a team that's that strong defensively. But on the other side of the ball, uh, the Pelicans are dead last, 30th in the league. So you got to think Brooklyn's going to score the ball. I'm just a little surprised that this isn't a double-digit uh, spread. So first of all, I think you know the Nets have the potential of blowing out this team. Um, that is a concern DFS-wise. Are we going to get the massive minutes that we need to pay off a James Harden at 10-4 or a Kevin Durant at 11-1? I mean, it's a fantastic spot. It doesn't get much better than this uh, for either guy. But, you know, you just got to live on the edge of can this stay close enough that they're going to get a big enough run. I do like the idea of rostering one of these two guys as my pay, one of my pay-up guys. Um, I think it may be necessary because they both could have monster games. I'm actually leaning just a smidgen toward James Harden at the 10-4 Saves you 700 bucks. Plus, again, if this stays close enough, I think, uh, you know, he's shaken off some of this adjustment to the new defensive rules. He's adjusting and he's making more shots. He's actually getting to the line more now. I think that he's figured out, you know, how he's got to maneuver things. So I do love, love this game for one of the bigs from Brooklyn. Um, the nerves there are, does it blow out and do they get enough run? The cheap guys from Brooklyn, I mean, good luck with it, man. I mean, if you have the guts for it, go for it. But I'll just name them off because it's such a, a litany of confusion. I mean, Bruce Brown, 3-9. Joe Harris, 4-3. Blake Griffin, 4. Patty Mills, 3-3. LMA, 4-1. DeAndre Bembry, 3-1. Paul Millsap, 3. Javon Carter, 3. Those guys are all in the rotation. They're all dead dirt cheap. But I, I can't trust any of those guys as far as I can throw them, to be honest with you. If you want to take a stab in a GPP with any of those guys against this terrible Pelicans defense, and if you think it's going to blow out, I mean, this is the kind of game where a Mills or a Bembry or one of the guys off the bench could go ballistic because they get big minutes in the second half. So this is a real game script kind of game. If you have it staying within 10, 15 points, I think Harden and Durant are the way to go. And even in cash, if you really script it as, you know, this game's over by the third quarter, you know, I've seen guys like, you know, Bembry or even LaMarcus or Javon Carter that have 30-point-plus uh, DFS nights at min prices. So it's possible. Something to think about, and it could be a big, you know, sway in, in building your lineups. Again, on the Pelican side, you know, I can't really break this game down until we know about Brandon Ingram. If he plays, yeah, he's playable, but coming off an injury in a lopsided game and he's 8-6, which is fair, probably not going to go there. Uh, I like Nikhil Alexander-Walker again at 6K, especially if Ingram doesn't play, but he will more than likely get Bruce Brown defense which means Devontae Graham, it could be a Devontae Graham night at 6-3. This is the kind of game he lights it up uh, with poor defense on him. But, 
it's hard to have any confidence uh, in the Pelicans. Certainly, Joe Val's potential is there, but at 9-3 is a big price to pay. Uh, if Herb Jones comes back at 3-4, he's been out hurt. He's uh, coming back slowly as well. He could get a starting nod, nod as, uh, also. And then Josh Hart at 5-4. Uh, he sort of crushed my spirit the other day when I rostered him because he got thrown out, and that destroyed my lineup that was right there. So definitely not feeling love for Josh since he broke my heart. There you go. There's your dad joke for the day. All right. We go to the next game. We finally move off 8 o'clock games somehow. And we go to an 8.30 game. It is the Dallas Mavericks and the San Antonio Spurs. The Mavs are road favored by three. Implied total uh, 111 for Dallas, 108 for the San Antonio Spurs. We've got Sacramento coming in at, I'm sorry, uh, San Antonio coming in at four and seven and Dallas at seven and four. Maxi Kleba remains out for Dallas. As far as the Spurs go, uh, Landell is likely, Bates Giop is questionable, and then Collins and the big man Pirtle remain out. So let's look at the statistical look here. Dallas 24th in pace. A lot of Luka, ISO, slow down ball. Uh, Spurs are fourth, though. This is the fastest pace team that uh, the Spurs have had in quite some time. Um, from an offensive efficient standpoint, uh, I don't know really how the Mavs are seven and four. I think they played poorly and they're 22nd in, in offensive efficiency because it's really Luca one on one Hardaway for a long three or they try to get the ball to Porzingis for something, whatever Porzingis is going to do. But it hasn't been pretty. Uh, San Antonio, likewise, you know, even though the pace is up with a fourth ranking, they're 20th in offensive efficiency. They've been inconsistent in multiple positions this year. Defensively, Dallas is only 17th. So again, not playing great on O, not playing great on D. How are you three games over 500? That's a little scary. So hopefully those numbers uh, start to uh, flatten out. San Antonio is ninth in defense. So back to pop ball. He's getting it done uh, decently on the defensive end. Luca's not going to be my buy-up. Sorry there, Dirk. I know I've been Dirk's really ticked off at me. I've been fading the Mavericks like crazy lately, but 11-1 with a decent defense uh, from the Spurs and DeJounte Murray and company and Pop running some doubles at them. Uh, they're definitely going to blitz them to give, have them give up the ball. Dallas will try to run some pick and rolls with Dwight Powell and such, but you know, Eubanks is not Pirtle, but he is defensively. He can do it. And Thad Young, when he's in there, is reasonable. He's a he's a veteran, so he knows how to defend. So not crazy about that. Hardaway's just too scoring dependent in 5-1. Finney Smith is the worst three-point shooter in the league. Seriously, dead last. Look at the stats. He cannot drop the ball in the ocean. So don't want to go anywhere near him. If you have the guts for Porzingis, he paid off the last game. He's only 6'6", which is cheap, and his usage is still second on the team to Luka. So, I mean, it's a it's a definite possibility. You can consider it, and as difficult as it is for me to say I am considering it at that price, you know, when he was 7'8", you know, 8'1", it was an easy pass, but at 6'6", man, that is very tempting. So I'm going to look at that. 
Powell, I can't stand. He's terrible 3-6. Sorry to be so opinionated. I do love Brunson at that 5-9 number. He's just been he's been the best Maverick this year as far as if, if you're talking about what was expected and what's being accomplished. He has been fantastic. Then there's a litany of guys off the bench that I'm just not going to go that direction. So really, the consideration for me on the Mavs side are, are Porzingis and Brunson. From the San Antonio side, you've got a super expensive 9-4 DeJounte Murray. Definitely uh, not jumping out of my seat at that price. I don't know why he's always priced so high. I know he had a massive game the other day, but at 9-4 uh, with the pace that that uh, Dallas plays at, I just can't quite pull that trigger. Derek White a little expensive at 6-2. You know, guys like Johnson, McDermott, you know, Eubanks, Walker, Vassell, Thad Young, Forbes, they're all getting minutes, and it's just – I don't want to spend my Friday night getting popped by the, the great coach, Mr. Popovich. I don't like the matchups there on that side. It's pretty much going to be a pass game for me. I'm going to avoid that game as much as possible. All right, we go to a 9 p.m. Eastern game, the Atlanta Hawks and the Denver Nuggets. We have three games left, uh, this one and then two later games. Uh, we've got uh, Denver minus four and a half. Only a 215 and a half over under, 105 and a half for Atlanta implied, and 110 for Omaha Joe's Denver Nuggets. Uh, the records, Hawks, extremely disappointing four and eight start for the Eastern Conference champions, uh, or champ, sorry, runners up. They were in the championship uh, series. Uh, it's very surprising. And then Denver, a seven and four record, even though they've had to. Uh, you know, live through all these injuries and then uh, the Joker doing world wrestling uh, moves on guys. It's been an interesting start for Denver. Um, as far as the injuries go, Bogdanovich for Atlanta. And there was a lot of confusion with the Bogdanoviches the other day. But luckily we have no Utah today, so you don't have to get confused. He's questionable. DeAndre Hunter's questionable. Important news because it does affect the way that bench rolls there. We know Herter uh, had a solid game. We know it brings Reddish into play. So we need that news. Okongwu remains out. For Denver, Denver Chanchar, Murray, and Porter, three, uh, two big studs there, and Murray and Porter remain out. As far as from a statistical look here, we've got uh, Atlanta 17th in pace, Denver 27th, so definitely playing some slow down joker ball. Uh, efficiency, Atlanta's 11th, which isn't bad. Uh, you know, we they were up towards the top a lot of last year. Denver only 24th, so they are not getting it done on the offensive side. With all the things going on as far as guys hurt in and out, you would expect them to sink down a little bit. The fact that they're winning – uh, at the rate that they are with 27th pace and 24th offensive efficiency is very impressive. But part of that reason is they're the third best defense in the league. So that is what's getting it done for them and Coach Malone right now. Atlanta, on the other hand, is 27th. Uh, so that is what's killing them. They're able to score the ball a bit, but uh, not defensively getting things done. So I guess the big question is, do you go with the World Wrestling Federation champion uh, Joker at 11.7? Uh, big fat number, certainly reasonable. He does get 
pretty decent defense in Capella, a little squeeze down from Collins. So I don't know if I really have the guts to go up to that number on an 11-game slate, but I think from a usage standpoint, he'll probably be the highest usage player on this slate, he and, and Luca. And, uh, you know, so you can certainly consider him. Um, a 110 implied is not bad. Uh, certainly the top play from the Denver side, There's a no, that's a no-brainer. Um, other than that, though, you know, you get, you get a mixture of a bunch of guys, the Morrises, uh, you know, and, and Greens and Dozers, et cetera. Barton at 6'9 is worth mentioning. Aaron Gordon, if he can ever throw a really big game together at 5'5, five, five, could be a steal. Jeff Green at 3'8, not a bad flyer. You know, we know he's got potential to have good games. He he does pull them out of nowhere at times. Uh, certainly some good GPP potential with that team, though. On the Atlanta side, Trey Young at a pretty big 9-6 number. Not sure I want to go there with the, the good Denver defense and playing in the altitude in Denver. Uh, you know, we need to know on the Bogdanovich and Hunter news because we could get a really good secondary play with Herter, Reddish, or Gallinari. Let's see who's in, who's out for Atlanta and what that rotation is going to look like. All right, we have two late games, the late night slate, the after hours, two gamer that I know a lot of people like to jump in there and play. We have the Chicago Bulls at the Golden State Warriors, Golden State minus five and a half, 221 and a half over under, implied total for the Bulls, 108 for Golden State, 113 and a half, solid, solid number. Uh, Bulls come in at eight and three, Warriors at 10 and one. Uh, injuries, we know Vuk's going to be out for 10 days, uh, COVID protocols. Kobe White and Patrick Williams remain out. For Golden State, we need the news on Draymond Green. He is questionable, and that is an important piece, both for the defensive side and for offensively for their rotation. Damian Lee also questionable, and they're very short on their guard rotation off the bench, so important news. Thompson and Wiseman remain out forever. It seems like hopefully they get back at some point. Um, as far as statistically, pace, Chicago 20th, which is surprising. You would think they'd be higher with all those studs, but they have played a lot of post-up ball with Vuk, some pick and roll with Vuk. With him gone, I think they're actually going to speed up, which makes me like this game a little bit more. Uh, you know, you've got the... The chalk guy that'll probably be the value play that a lot of people are going to go to. I'm just going to say it right off the bat here before I get the rest of the stats. And that's Tony Bradley. He's dead men 3K, probably going to get the start at center unless they pull some other shenanigans. But he's probably going to be one of the higher owned guys on the slate because it does give you a lot of opportunity. And if he can get you 20 fantasy points, at 3K, that would be phenomenal. Uh, you know, 7X kind of guy uh, if he's definitely in that starting lineup. If they decide to do something different and maybe play a Derek Jones or Desunmu or one of those guys to start, then I wouldn't consider Bradley at all. But if he starts, I mean, you almost have to take the free square even as a blocker because, you know, it's going to give you a lot of salary relief to look at other guys. All right, uh, as far as offensive efficiency for Chicago, the reason they've been so good is they're, they're fourth in the league. So they they know what they're doing with the basketball. They do have veterans. 
and Levine and DeRozan and Ball's been around enough now. Uh, but losing Vuk will take a little chunk out of that. Um, pace of play for Golden State, who's been the darling of DFS, they're fifth and they're secondly, second in efficiency. So you've got not only a fast team, but a team that knows how to finish it and score the basketball. Smart team, uh, always a really good team to, to roster. The only problem is this side. Chicago's fifth, Golden State is number one in defense. So you've got the two of the top five defensive teams. Does that counteract the, the excellent efficiency and strong play here from the other side? I think it neutralizes it a little bit. Uh, there's going to be some people that stack this game up with one or two guys on each side. I understand that, but I think it's going to be more of a one-off. Uh, on each side for me. I don't want overexposure because of the strong defense, but I do think you need some exposure here. So where is that going to land? You've got a decently priced 6.5 Lonzo ball against not a great defensive backcourt for, for Golden State, even though that they're first overall in defense in the league. Uh, and then Zach Levine at 8K, his price is fair compared to the other bit, uh, big players at the shooting guard spot. And same thing with DeMar DeRozan. Yes, he's 8'5", but, you know, you look at those three guys with Vuk out, and then you look at the rest of the guys for uh, who's going to take any of that usage. Javante Green, Tony Bradley, Alex Caruso, Derek Jones Jr., Ayo Dasunmu, Elise Johnson. I mean, yeah, guys are okay. They're, you know, make up a decent team. But I just think you're going to see off-the-wall usage for Ball, Levine, and DeRozan. The question is, where, where do I want to go with, with that play? Right now, I have a slight lean to Zach Levine at 8. I think it's just a very fair price. I, don't, I wouldn't fault you for DeRozan, but I'd prefer to save the 500. And I think Lonzo Ball at 6'5". I mean, if, if point guard wasn't so packed, it'd be a lot easier play. But I'm not out of the question with Lonzo either, but right now leaning towards Levine. I'd rank them right now, Levine, DeRozan, Ball, but they're all three, I think, excellent plays on this slate. Steph Curry at 11-6. That is a big number. If Draymond doesn't play, it's not like Draymond soaks up a lot of usage. Let's face it. He's the one that makes everything happen. But because he is the one that makes everything happen, I think that hurts Curry if green is out because a lot of those picks, a lot of those, you know, brushes, a lot of the open uh, looks that Curry get uh, gets are strictly because Draymond green knows how to play basketball, knows how to get them open. And Curry moves better without the ball than anybody in the league. And um, I think Draymond is a big part of that. So we need to see if he's in or out. I actually lessen Curry's ownership in my book. Uh, if Draymond doesn't play, as opposed to those that think more usage will go his way. So not probably going to go to the 11-6. That's such a tough number on an 11-game slate. Uh, Jordan Poole, you know, he's been a go-to guy for me at 6-2 all year. And, you know, especially if Damian Lee's not going to play, he's questionable. If Lee's out, I think Poole gets an extra, like, five minutes, and that can mean a lot the way he fires the ball up. Wiggins is playing a little better. Not probably going to go there at that 6-5 number. Uh, and then after that, just a lot of bench guys that really aren't in play for me with Golden State.
All right. Game 11. We've done it. Minnesota Timberwolves, Los Angeles Lakers, late game, 1030 Eastern. Starts 30 minutes after the rest. And you have a double combination here of L.A. only favored by three, so competitive. 224 big over under. 110.5 for Minnesota. Implied and a big nice 113.5 for the Lakers. Same as the Warriors on the implied total uh, for the high. Timberwolves, three and seven, and they've played good ball. They just haven't figured out how to win. Lakers are seven and five, so we'll see uh, how they can play again here without LeBron. It's funny because we have Minnesota, one of the younger teams in the league with no injuries, and the Lakers, the oldest team in the league, one of the oldest teams in the history of the league, have seven guys injured. Don't I know how that feels? My hip hurts right now, my knee my shoulder. So there we go. I understand and feel these guys. Uh, Anthony Davis is probably going to play. He is on the probable standpoint. So we're going to count him in. Rondo, questionable. Uh, Ariza, Horton Tucker, some guy by the name of LeBron James, Kendrick Nunn, and a lot of people's favorite, Mr. Reeves. Not Christopher Reeves, Superman, but Austin Reeves from the Lakers. All those guys are out. So short rotate, shorter rotation for the Lakers. So let's take a look statistically here. We've got Minnesota, the ninth pace team, Lakers first. So Westbrook's got the Jets going. He's got this team moving. Got to love that. Here's the problem. Both teams offensively, uh, offensive efficiency is terrible. Considering the pace, they're just not gelling. We expected this from the Lakers because they have nine out of 12 of their rotation new from last year, but they're 21st. I don't think anybody expected that. When you have Westbrook, uh, Davis, and LeBron, you don't expect to be 21st in the league in offensive efficiency. And then guys like Carmelo and everything, it's very bizarre, but timing is everything. That's what's why basketball is a beautiful game. You can't throw five super stud scorers out there and be generally be offensive efficient. You have to work as a unit you know, Golden State's the exact antithesis of that. You've got, you know, look who they have on the floor. Guys like, uh, you know, Green, who's not a scorer, uh, Looney, Lee Bialica, Iguodala, Porter Jr., Peyton II. You know what those guys have in common? They know how to play a role. They know how to get the right guys the ball. They know how to be more efficient. And I think that's why you're seeing such great success there and why L.A. hasn't quite put it together. Granted, they've had injuries, and they'll get better as they get to more minutes on the court together. Um, as far as defense, Minnesota's 22nd, which was killing them. We know Cat doesn't defend well. They brought Pat Bev in to shore up the defense. He's not quite getting uh, enough minutes uh, you know, yet, but they're going to try to play him more, I think, to slow people down. He'll probably get the start tonight to guard Westbrook as well. Lakers are 12th, so they're not playing bad defense, but – we know that they were up towards the top the entire year last year. They were first for a good portion of the year, but they had some good perimeter defenders that they haven't uh, quite settled in on yet. So as far as playable, I mean, you definitely want to have some exposure here. This is a high total, really good implied on both sides. Uh, wouldn't touch Pat Bev with a 10-foot pole. I made that mistake once. Won't happen again. I don't care how cheap he is. D'Angelo Russell, always playable at 7-2. Same thing with Anthony Edwards at 8-1. I think both of those guys are dangerous. 
I think they're going to see Bradley and Baysmore defense. Lakers have finally said, you know what? Heck with this. We can't play the Monks, big minutes, and all these guys that don't defend. Even though Bradley and Baysmore aren't offensive threats per se anymore, uh, they're really good defenders. So they're going to be on Russell and Edwards more than likely, which you know makes me not quite as interested at those guys at that price, but they both have the potential to really go off for sure. Uh, Jaden McDaniels at 3-1, you know, too much split with Beasley, Vanderbilt. Beasley's awful. I'm, I've given up on him, I think I said last podcast. I mean, he's dead to me too. But Beasley, uh, you know, Vanderbilt, Okogie, those guys are all getting minutes, but not really as playable to me. You know, Cat at 10-3, uh, you know, you, he can have monster games, but they do have that, you know, Anthony Davis, Jordan, and Howard defense interior. And I know centers – have hurt them throughout this year, but it, they were getting, they were scoring bigger against LA when the Lakers were trying to play all offensive players. The games like where they started Monk and Carmelo Anthony, they finally figured out that they just, you know, in putting Bradley and Baysmore in the starting lineup where they get more minutes, that takes the pressure off the perimeter so the interior guys can play defense. And that's what people don't understand. And that's not going to show in the statistics, but. I am not going to be on bigs going against the Lakers right now because I think they've adjusted their defensive scheme where they're playing people on the perimeter better, allowing the, the guys inside not to be constantly in a held position. So uh, not going to go cat at that big number. Uh, I do like Anthony Davis on the other side. I think 10-9 is a killer, though. I mean, you, you can pay up, in my opinion, for two guys on this slate. Davis may be one of them. Um, he's certainly in consideration for me. Uh, you know, he's really the only uh, Laker that I'm looking at. So I wouldn't mind going, you know, with, with AD in this game and just sitting tight. Uh, not sure. I'm super excited about the other guys. If I did have to go to another spot, it may be D'Angelo Russell. You know, I know it's long past since he's gone, but if you remember – he was the man for the Lakers when they drafted him. And I know down deep when he gets to play in Staples Center, he wants to do well, uh, regardless of how long that sting never ends. So, you know, I can see myself going with a Russell uh, Davis and have two solid guys here in the late one. All right, my friends, I hope you enjoyed that. That's as fast and as thorough as I could get through 11 strong games. Very excited. Love this slate. I think it's going to be a fantastic night in NBA DFS. Hope you really enjoyed it. Hope this really gave you a good feel for tonight. And uh, certainly will uh, be looking for you to check us out at DFSCoachTalk.com. Check us out there. Join us today. Three-day membership for 10 stinking bucks. And you can dominate NBA today, tomorrow, and Sunday. You can dominate weekend golf tonight for this Saturday, Sunday, and then, of course, our super team of NFL play uh, guys for this uh, Sunday's game. So love to hear from you. Shoot in some questions here on YouTube. Give us that thumbs up and subscribe, and we'd love to hear from you. Thanks again. Have a fantastic Friday, and we'll be back again tomorrow when we look to crush it in NBA DFS.